But for those of you that don't know me, my name is Peter Axman. Um, I have the great privilege of being one of the pastors here on staff at New Day. And I just want to thank you so much for coming out and being with us today, if you're in person or online, as we continue through our current teaching series titled Christ the King, where we're studying the gospel according to Matthew. Our text today is found in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6. And in these verses, Jesus is addressing the topic of passing judgment. Now, some of you may have already passed judgment when you came in this morning. Where is Mike? Or at least, where is Andrew, right? (laughs) Is Peter up here just making an announcement, or is he really going for it, right? Is he really that short, or is the pulpit just that big because of all these other guys, right? Or you may have thought when you walked in this morning, like, I can't believe she's wearing that, or like, what does he see in her? Like, these are things that we're passing judgment on. Or maybe you even said, like, why don't they just serve hot chocolate at the cafe all year round, right? Speaking of being judgmental, a few months ago, my wife Rachel was leading a group of young adults at our home, so I decided to take my four kids out for dinner just to give them some uh, quiet space for them to have their, their meeting. And the waitress that was assigned our table that evening just kind of seemed distant and unapproachable right from the beginning. Uh, it took her a while to take our order, um, and then it, it, our like drinks and our silverware didn't even come out until our food came out. Um, and I, I can I tell you, like really from the beginning of the meal, I was not thinking very positive thoughts about her <laughs> at all. And about 20 minutes like after we finished our, our meal, she is just nowhere to be found. And, um, and I just needed to check. I needed to check, I needed to pay, and I needed to get out of there. And finally, I was able to kind of wave down another, another waitress, and I asked her if she could find our waitress and just please have her come and bring us our, our check. And after that moment, a manager actually came by to our table, and he apologized for the delays and the service that evening, and told me that the, the waitress that we had assigned to our table had to abruptly leave because she had an emergency at home with one of her children. And I can tell you, at that moment, I just felt awful. As I'm thinking, how could she work here? How terrible is she at this job? Does she even care about me and my four kids? And like you know, the ratio here at all. (laughs) Never gonna eat here again, right? And all the while, she was dealing with a personal emergency with her child. And my my quickly shifted from focusing on my inconvenience to compassion for her situation. Have you ever made a bad judgment call like that? Like I did that day, maybe just once or twice, I'm sure. And what happens in those situations is we think we know exactly why or why not someone is doing something. We think we know what led them to the decision they made. But how many times do we get this wrong? If we're being honest, probably most of the time. These could be simple things like someone jumping ahead of you in line at the grocery store or cutting you off on the road. We may never know their motives, but I'm certain that our mind doesn't go to a good reason, right? 
And as clearly as I did, and so many of us do, we are often quick to judge others without really knowing actually what is going on with them. Why do we do this, right? Is it to make ourselves feel better? Do we feel like we see something that they don't see? Do we think we just know better? And since we've all passed judgment at times about someone, the verses that we're gonna study together today will help bring some clarity and perspective and understanding on this subject. Jesus is continuing to speak to us from what is referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And today we're going to learn some eye-opening truths straight from God's word on who and when we can and cannot pass judgment on Let me read the entire passage, and then we can break it down verse by verse. Again, we're in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6. Judge not, and that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Before we get into the heart of what Jesus' teaching is on passing judgment, there's an important question um, in chapter 7, verses 3 and 4 that we need to clear up and address right away. So if you're uh, f- you know, using the fill-in-the-blanks in your notes today, uh, you can take those out, and your first fill-in-the-blank is this. Who can we judge? Verses 3 and 4 reference the word brother as the person we are calling out about their open outright unrepentant sin. So who is our brother? Does it literally mean only a family member? Here's an example found in Luke 8.21. Jesus is responding to someone who tells him that his actual mother and brother are outside looking for him. And he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So we see that brother in this context isn't a relative, but rather a fellow believer in Christ. Paul also echoes the words of Jesus when he says in 1 Corinthians 5, 12 and 13, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside. Here Paul is clearly telling us that it is our responsibility as believers to judge those within our jurisdiction, other believers, other followers of Christ, but that we are not responsible or even have the right to judge those that are outside the church, and that is an unbeliever. That we keep to God. That's his job. So great, some of you are starting to feel a little excited, right? You're looking around. I can't wait to head out into the foyer after service and start looking at people with my judgy eyes and start telling them all the things they're doing wrong as being a Christian, right? I can't wait to tell my spouse all the things they're doing wrong in their you know, faith walk, in their journey, right? This is amazing. He just told me I can go and judge people. This is great. But before you do that, Let's get some further clarity beginning with the first verse in chapter seven, 
that Matthew wrote in our text today. And it says this, judge not and that you be not judged for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus says that God will judge us with the same type of judgment with which we judge others. When we assume the role of final, omniscient judge, we imply that we are qualified to judge, that we know and understand all the facts, all the circumstances, and all the motives involved. Therefore, when we assert our right to judge, we will be judged by the same measure or standard of knowledge and wisdom we claim as ours. If we set ourselves up as a judge over others, we cannot plead ignorance of the law in reference to ourselves when God judges us. And as harsh as that sounds, I do believe Jesus is speaking words of hope within his warning. His point is that people tend to treat us as we treat them. If we are judgmental, they will respond in the same way. So why is this a word of hope? Because if we break the pattern and relate to others in non-judgmental ways, we can expect to be treated the same. So now you might still be asking yourselves at this point, I thought you said that we have a responsibility as believers to judge other believers. But Jesus is saying, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. Let's continue reading the chapter where Jesus gets into the specific reasons of when we can and can't judge other believers and the reason behind it. So if you're following along with the notes, your next fill in the blank is this. When shouldn't we judge? Jesus explains in verses three and four exactly why it is completely inappropriate at times to judge another believer. Let's read verses three and four. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? Jesus here is using terms that would be understood by his audience. Let's break them down. A speck, or in Greek, karphos, it's not a tiny piece of uh, dust or soot, but a small stalk or twig or possibly a splinter and though you know, small in comparison to a log, it is not an insignificant object to have in your eye. Jesus is comparing our sins, not between a very small sin or fault and the one that is large, but one that is large and one that is gigantic. So I wanna illustrate this for you. So I need, I need a log. All right, there's a lot of wood back here. Let me grab one of these. Oh, okay, so. <laughs> This is what I would refer to as the log, and then I got this little splinter here, and this is what, what, what I'm using as an illustration for the speck, right? And here we do as believers is that we think that we have the right to call somebody out with a speck that they have in their eye with this log in, our, in ours. And it's ridiculous, and I love that it's ridiculous and that Jesus is using humor, right? He's using humor in this to say, you can't help this person. You have a log in your eye. But yet, we still try to do it. And as ridiculous as that is, we try to help people, not, maybe not necessarily having a log in our eye, but having 
sin in our lives. So as much as it is ridiculous to have that log in our eye, we also have to imagine the pain, though, that even just the speck alone could carry. I mean, just the other day, I had just a very tiny little black, you know, gnat in my eye, and it literally felt like, like a hornet was just, you know, stabbing my eye over and over. And that was just a little itty-bitty bug in my eye. So I can only imagine what it would like to have, you know, one of these splinters in my eye. So just because I have a log in my eye and you only have a speck in your eye does not mean that we can just ignore, we can't ignore the speck. And that to me gets into a little bit of a sin comparison. You know, meaning as long as my sin is smaller than others around me, I'm good. Just leave me alone. It's just a speck. Leave me alone, right? Here's a few examples of what I'm talking about. I know that I might have drank too much last night, but I wasn't drunk, right? And I didn't drink as much as they did, so I'm good. Leave me alone. I know that I'm gossiping about that situation that's going on in church right now, but I'm only telling my close friends. And when they gossip over there about what's going on in the church, they're telling anyone and everyone that will listen to them. So I'm good. Leave me alone. I know that I shouldn't be watching that new show on cable, right? But at least I'm not watching that show or those shows that are on or what those people are watching. I'm good, right? So what is Jesus trying to say here? And I think the primary point Jesus is showing us is that our sin, the one with the log in our eye, is much greater than the sin of the person we're trying to help. But the smaller sin is still sin and needs to be addressed. And the robust imagery makes two related points here. Not being suitable of drawing attention to another's failing when your own is much greater, and the impossible task, like we showed, and the inability to offer help until your own great, you know, greater problem has been dealt with. And the sin issue we possess is so much greater in need of repentance and removal, but don't miss this, don't miss this. It is not wrong to notice or want to help with somebody else's, another, you know, another believer's failings because we have a responsibility to do so. That's what scripture is telling us. But when we are unaware of our own greater failing, we are not yet in a position to do so. So what do we, knew, what do we need to do then to get into a place that we can help our fellow brothers in Christ? I am so glad that you asked. So your next fill in the blank is this. When should we judge? When should we judge? The chapter goes on, and here we are in verse five. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. A few weeks back, Mike preached a three-part series uh, on hypocrisy and praying, giving, and fasting. And I, and I just recommend, I feel free to go check those um, out if you've missed them. But for a quick refresher, a person that indulges in hypocrisy is the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. Jesus is saying that it is hypocritical to judge others, for to be a judge, one must not be guilty himself. Jesus is drawing attention to this curious feature of the human race where we have a profound ignorance 
right, of oneself, and it's so often combined with the arrogant presumption of knowledge about others, especially, especially their faults. If I'm running late to work or an appointment, I can justify for myself that it's okay to drive a little faster than the speed limit, you know, maybe coast through stop signs, or, or my favorite thing that I've, you know, I've maybe done once is um, those signs that say no turn on red. I actually just add a comma after no, so it's not pause, it's no turn on red, <laughs> right? Right? Now you guys are all gonna do that when you go home, right? Yeah. But someone else around me is driving recklessly. That, where does my mind go? My mind does not go to, they must be in a real hurry. There must be something very wrong. No, my mind goes to, what a jerk. How dangerous. How unsafe. I hope a police officer catches them, right? Because they deserve a ticket. Yeah, they deserve a ticket. But imagine on the way home when we saw that, instead of getting angry, and judgmental, we look through a lens that told us that there must be something terribly wrong for that person to be driving that way, and we just let him by. Imagine that. And this is just what Jesus is saying in this verse. Stop being a hypocrite. Stop judging others before taking a good look at yourself. We need to take care of our own sins first, and when our sin is cleansed, when the log is taken out of our own eye, then will we see our brother's sin clearly and be able to help him. We will see everything more clearly. God, ourselves, others. We will see God as the only true judge and other believers as needy sinners who are just like ourselves. Jesus says we are qualified to help each other once we remove the sin from our lives. To say to a fellow believer, let me help you remove the sin from your life is different from pronouncing God's judgment on them because we're gonna see our brother as a brother on our own level with our own similar weaknesses and needs. In other words, once we dealt with our own sins, we are now in a position to gently and lovingly confront and try to restore others who have sinned. Check out this great verse from Galatians 6, verse 1. It says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. We should not overlook the point that the speck is to be removed. Jesus not, does not say that because it's small or it's only a speck, it doesn't matter. It is important that even this small defect be rectified. But this cannot be done until the log is taken out of the way. Only then are we qualified to help one another. In a moment, I'm gonna share some practical application steps on how to confront a fellow believer in love when pointing out a sin in their life. We know it can be hard to hear a rebuke, so how we do this needs to be carefully considered. The chapter wraps up with a verse that offers some explanation for sure. It says this, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. 
Coming up on the screen is a picture of my three-year-old dog, Oliver, or as we call him, Ollie Bear. Yep, he's cute. He's very cute. My kids love him more than I do, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And so does everyone, uh, everyone specifically in town in the midst of the COVID pandemic, when there was very few people, and everyone wanted a pet, right, during the COVID pandemic. Raise your hand if you got a pet in, you know, during the... Yep, a couple of hands. All right, raise your hand if you're regretting that decision. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So we got ours before, uh, and what was amazing is the people were, people just seemed to be really, really excited to see a dog during that time, especially a puppy. And, and they, I mean, we had people that would turn their cars around and literally like pull up right alongside of us, like, where did you get that dog? What type of dog is that? And trust me, there was a few moments I thought, give me an offer. <laughs> now, this is not the type of dog Jesus is referring to in this passage, and I do love Ollie. But dogs were seldom kept as household pets in the way they are today. Except for those used as working animals to herd sheep, they were largely half-wild mongrels that acted as scavengers. They were dirty, greedy, snarling, and often vicious and diseased. They were dangerous and despised. Pigs in Palestine were wild and vicious as well as ceremonially unclean. So Jesus' point is that certain truths and blessings of our faith are not to be shared with people who are in total opposition to the things of God. Such people can be considered spiritual dogs and swine who have no appreciation for that which is holy and righteous. They will take that which is holy, the pearls, the rarest and most valuable of jewels in that time of God's word as foolishness as an, and an, as an insult. And when people not only reject the gospel, but insist on mocking and criticizing it, we do not need to continue sharing God's holy word and the precious pearls of his truth in a futile and frustrating attempt to try to win them. We're going to have to leave that to the Lord, trusting that somehow his spirit can penetrate their hearts. Now that we have just a better understanding of who we can judge and when we should and should not judge. I wanna wrap up today with just a few application points that I believe will help us approach a fellow believer regarding their transgressions. Being a part of a church family, we are gonna be among other believers. We are gonna find ourselves from time to time needing to confront another believer about their sin. But before we can do that, we have to ask ourselves, what I believe are just a few questions to make sure we have the proper motives and approach. So the first question you need to ask yourself before confronting another believer is this. Do I have sin? Do I have sin? Do I have a plank in my eye, right? That would prevent me from helping a fellow believer Am I treating my sin as maybe just a speck? It's no big deal, but it actually is a plank. Or even if it's just the speck, like I was saying before, isn't that still sin in God's eyes? So before I can help a fellow believer or a brother and sister in Christ, I have to ask Jesus to forgive me 
of my sin and start making the necessary changes in my life to pursue godliness in this area. All right, number two, how is my heart? In Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, it says this, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So we're asking ourselves some questions about our heart. Am I in a good place to, come, to call, someone else's, call out someone else's flaws, right? Am I in a place that I can lovingly share the truth with someone, or am I just going to offend them because of my approach? Am I spiritually healthy? Am I spending time with God each day? When's the last time I read my Bible, right? These are questions that we have to ask about our heart. Luke 6, 45, it says this, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And listen to this last sentence, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So before we can confront another believer, have I surrendered my heart to the Lord so that I can honestly say that I'm bringing up another believer's failings? with a healthy heart. If we have reconciled our sin and our heart is healthy and in the right place, we can finally ask ourselves this last question before confronting another believer with sin. It's this, what are my motives? Are my motives pure? Why am I confronting another believer in their sin? Am I concerned for that person? person, that their relationship with the Lord and their eternal salvation? Or am I bringing up someone else's sin to make me feel better about my own struggle with sin and my own shortcomings? Is the issue you're bringing up an actual sin or is it a matter of opinion, right? I could unpackage the topics of matters of opinion but for time's sake, if you're unsure, uh, Mike did this great message uh, this past fall in the series called Passing Judgment. i uh, sorry, the title was Passing Judgment from the series Righteousness of God. And he dove into the topic from Romans 14.1, we are not to judge other Christians concerning matters of opinion. And finally, can you use scripture as the backbone to address your concern? I, I just, I challenge you to write it down, pray over the person, pray over the situation, use godly discretion and wisdom from his word to proceed. So we've covered a lot. So I want to summarize some of those main points that I was going over today. This passage of scripture is reminding us that we're only to judge other believers and that we are not to judge unbelievers. Not our job, not our responsibility. This passage of scripture is telling us to take care of our own bigger sin before we can help someone with their smaller sin. This passage of scripture is telling us not to waste our time on those that are not interested or even volatile towards us when it comes to sharing the gospel. And this passage teaches us that we can and ought to gently 
and lovingly confront another believer's sin when we've checked our own motives, right? And we can support our rebuke with scripture. Church, we are disciples of Jesus and we have a responsibility that we should take very seriously. And one of the best ways to keep each other accountable for our actions is being around other believers, right? There's so many ways that you can do that here at New Day. You can show up just like you did today, right? And just start rubbing shoulders with other believers. That's great. But you could also join one of our ministry teams and spend some time with other believers serving together. And I think even the best way that you could do that is joining a small group. We just kicked off our summer session, but I know that we still have options for you today if you're not currently in one. And all of these options, but especially, especially being in a group, gives you the ability to begin relationships with other believers, right? And the best way to confront somebody that might be dealing with some sort of sin is to have that relationship with that person first. Now, for those of you that aren't currently following Jesus, you may be thinking today, like, no thanks, I'm good, I'm good. I don't wanna be called out on my mistakes and shortcomings by other people. And as much as that could be true to feel that way, I think you're missing out on the why. We as believers can accept a loving rebuke because we know we have a higher calling. That we are not just living our days for the day to day, but for the future reward of heaven in the presence of our savior. Our time on earth here is fleeting. The days I understand can feel long, but for some reason the years, they just, they fly by. And we only have one chance, one chance on this side of eternity to accept Jesus as our savior and begin a relationship with him. Every day that goes by, every day that goes by that we don't take his invitation to follow him is one day closer to an eternal life separated from Jesus. And I know that I'm not okay with that for me, and I'm definitely, definitely not okay with that for you. So if you're here today and have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me walk you through a prayer. Everyone in the room, you can bow your head and close your eyes and not out loud, but in your heart, say this. Heavenly Father, please forgive me of my sins. Please accept what Jesus endured on the cross as payment for my sins. I wanna have right standing with you today. I receive your free gift of eternal life and I invite you to become the new leader of my life. Give me your newfound strength to serve you in a way that would be pleasing. And I ask for your help in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for experiencing this message with us. If you've been blessed by what you heard, you can give a one-time or reoccurring gift at newdaychurch.cc forward slash giving, or text any amount on your smartphone right now to 84321. We would love to connect with you even more, so be sure to like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. 
And don't forget to find us on the Church Center app for more information about all things New Day. May God bless you, and we hope to see you again soon.